was just driving down the road. I had to go to the post office and I was thinking about you because we're about to come into the studio and I was thinking about all that you have going on and an impromptu song started playing in my head that goes like this. It was this. It, it was. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time in California. Ah, it goes like that. Like so it. it is harvest time. It is. And? Uh, it's going along well. We had kind of a, a, a laugh, me and the crew, this morning because it was, you know, smooth sailing. Um, you know, worked over the weekend, of course, work every day. And, you know, yesterday I was just cruising around. Everything seemed like so in order. And then this morning, it's like, what are we picking when? Where are we going to put it? What's wrong with you know, everything? And so, um, uh, we dialed it in. Get it back. It's just one of those things you kind of like, it's like getting off balance. You got to get back on the board again. But we, we're, we're cruising along. We have uh, a heat spike, a little, not a heat spike, a little bit warmer weather at the end of this week. And I'm letting some stuff hang out and just get a little bit more ripeness there. And then we have potentially a rain event next Wednesday. Not this week, but like 10 days out. So that's usually not super reliable. But I think my stuff will all be ready. So I might be finished picking by October 23rd. Is it like yeah. October 24th. And then is it like account? Uh, it's like accountants after tax season. Does everybody that are winemakers just go, okay, now for the next four weeks, I am going to sit on a beach and, or I'm going to play golf or I'm going to whatever. No, for the next four weeks, I'm going to ferment the grapes that I yeah, pick. Okay. Just goes right to so it. So it's, it's like, you know, um, we'll, we'll be back to a normal schedule, you know, by Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to try to take the four days off at Thanksgiving. That's kind of my, my big hurrah. Um, this year, it's a little later. It might, might not be possible, but we won't be going crazy at Thanksgiving. But I also won't have, like, all my wine in barrel. I'll have it finished fermenting off the skins, you know, but it yeah. might still be in tanks and stuff like that. So there's just a whole process to wind it all down. Yeah, you're getting me excited. Get me excited about Thanksgiving. It's going to be good. Oh, Thanksgiving, and, and, too. Uh, Thanksgiving and wine at Thanksgiving this year. But you More know, excited than ever. You know that Thanksgiving has always been a big deal to me, and that's precisely yeah. why. I mean, I liked it as a kid growing up, but mm-hmm. now it's kind of this, like, celebration of harvest. Yes, I get it. Okay, so so uh, this was my first time getting to see harvest. I just came back from California to be with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week? Are we talking about last week? Time I mean, flies that crazy. fast? You know what? My truck that we took to the Toyota dealership to get fixed, yeah. it's still there. I haven't had time to go pick okay. it up. Last week. So today I was like, as I said, you know, as I'm driving back, one harvest time, it's harvest time. I'm thinking this song, but I'm also thinking about all the little things that, that have to happen with a winemaker during harvest time. For people like me, the novices of the world that don't know anything other than I like to drink wine. Hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he, here's my assessment. Being a winemaker at harvest time, here are all the little hats that you're wearing. Yep. You're farmer, right? Yep. Yep. There, there is some part of you that is botanist and yep. or crossover to chemist. Yes. Okay? Yes. There is a logistics manager 
that could be nightmarish. Yes. Right? Yes. You may have to be even attached to meteorology in some portion, right? Meteorologist. Of course. To make your decisions for logistics. Of course. And then you have to be, I don't know, marketing guy. Marketing guy. And then accountant. Accountant. Hey, hang on. And then therapist. Yes. Wow. That's very, very important part of the thing is diplomacy and and making sure everybody's happy. Yes. Man, oh my. There's a lot of hats. There's a lot of hats. There's a lot of hats that are being worn. But I like it. I like it. I like it too. Hey, uh, yeah. I I was going to tell you a little story. There was a time a long time ago in the film business that was a huge commercial production with a director who's a DP who won an Academy Award by the name of Robert Richardson, Uh right? Now, me, with my job, similar to things that you have going on as a winemaker, but maybe not as many as you had in the art department as art director, whatever, is um, (laughs) there's a lot of responsibility and logistics and stuff to get it where it is. Again, not as many. I don't have to do... Uh, potentially therapist or whatever but <laughs> but uh, me and and who i'm working with pull up to up to the 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 site where we're going to be filming that day that it looks like it's looks like a huge movie set already it's a, it's one of those army jobs you know where the army dudes are coming out oh, yep. of the water you've seen them yep. right big budget thing and there is this uh there's this pa that i, I forget even what his name is i think his first name was lee but we just, for whatever reason, in one of my nicknames, I named him Mulletfish. <laughs> Mulletfish. Now, Mulletfish looked like one of the members of Leonard Skinner. Did, did you call him Mulletfish to his face? Yeah, I just Mulletfish. Oh, yeah. I just say Mullet, you know, and Mullet. Yeah. Because he had a mullet. He had this awesome mullet. Yeah. He had a ball cap on always, all the time ball cap, but then the, the mullet was real frizzy, again, looking a bit like Ronnie Van Zant or whatever, yeah. if you know what that looks yeah. like. Although, but, but Mulletfish was like, a shorter stature so he was kind of like you know of a shorter smaller like hobbiton yeah ronnie van zandt yes right so we pull into this thing uh like figuring what the hell are we going to do today how the hell are we going to get through this day where do we even start and we're looking just from directions from our pe his job Mm -hmm. you know it's give directions you know, put chairs up for lunch, do, do whatever you're called for at that time. Right. So I roll into this now. Now this is an important lesson because like your own hierarchy and perception of who you are, everyone's busy in their own responsibilities. I go mullet. Hey bro. You know, where do we park? We got to get this shit underway. And I was like, you know what you got, you know? And he goes, man, I'm wearing so many hats. I don't even know what to do with myself. (laughs) so i had to take this moment yeah but i thought of myself i was like no actually i'm wearing too many hats i don't know what to do with myself and i feel that in your what you have going on you know not to not to minimize his importance to the overall deal i was like there's a real perception there in terms of like <laughs> what your responsibility is. So I will say this in that moment where I was on that set thinking, I have all the shit going on. I was watching you last week, all those things that you said. Yeah. You could wear the hat of mullet fish and you had 
more things than you knew what to do with yourself. Yeah, that's the way it goes. I mean, and sometimes it's like someone asks you a question, you just stare at them. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what language you're speaking. You know, it's like so confusing. But you know, it's 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 fun. It's challenging. You know. Uh. Okay. Well, where we left off, we have now this that we're talking on right now. We have launched this podcast. Drop the check is it's out to the world. I love it. I mean, it was it's just such a, a rewarding thrill just to see our drop the check logo up there on Spotify or iTunes or whatever the case may be. And of course, our wonderful friends and supporters out there who, um, you know, actually dialed in and and listened it up. And uh, again, a lot of interesting feedback um, that uh, I think people generally like it. That's a good thing. Yeah. And listen, there's also something that is going on that you should know about and everybody Uh, should know about because it's going to be very, very important to all of us very soon. Okay. Let's just say that's the first episode of Drop the Check, right? Yes. There's going to be several more. There's one coming up again here today, which is the second part of our conversation with Joe, Joseph, Joey Wagner, right? (laughs) He'll answer to all of them. But there is something going on that I can't talk about now. What? People, Now, hang on. I'm on the edge of my seat. Hang on. Going to slowly, slowly build up in this story with something from a little company called Topo Chico. Oh, how about you, that? How about you, that for a teaser? I love it. Do you know that probably of all the comments that I got, I got more comments about Topo Chico than anything yes. else? They yeah. loved it. Yes. Okay. Well, stay tuned, listeners, because something is happening. With Topo Chico. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm glad that I'm learning this as we go too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Look, bro. You can't. You can't spill it all at once. People wouldn't be able to handle. It. They'd be like mullet fish, exactly. standing there. Uh, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, wearing too many hats too to many know hats. what to do with themselves. <laughs> okay. We've got uh, Joe Wagner today. I love the it. Second part of this. Let's roll into it. Let's jump into it. Welcome to Drop the Check. Today's episode is part two of our conversation with winemaker with great hair and a knack for TikTok. Let's welcome back Joseph Wagner. So, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how we were doing on time, but before we, we go too, too far, can you, then we, we, we went to, uh, you know, from, you know, Camus is a, a young kid working in that cellar and then, you know, starting Bell Gloss moving that into Naomi, but it's still at the same time, there are other product lines, other brands that you develop. Can you go through, there's a litany of them. Yeah, there, there are now. Well, so, you know, um, growing up in a family business where, you know, so the, the ownership of say like bell gloss is separate from, uh, the, the setup that we had to facilitate sales and admin yeah, of yeah. The, the business. And so, um, this brand Mayomi had grown to be a monster and I was doing experiments in other areas. I was making wine out of Oregon and I was like, I really want to bring this out to market and start a new brand and all that stuff. And I had my own ideas and I was, you know, on the lower side of 30, I guess, or yeah. maybe even in my late twenties. And so I started talking to my dad about it and I said, Hey, look, I, you know, I want to expand these things. Um, and here are the options as I see them. Um, and family business can be tough at times. Yeah. Um, and, and so I also looked at, you know, some of the templates of what had happened in the past with many of the family businesses, which 
unfortunately there there's not a lot of them anymore at least you know especially at a, a, a reasonable volumetric level but yeah so you know mondavi uh recently you've had frank family uh just like in the last week uh you got rombauer mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah i, I mean it, these acquisitions are they're they're massive yeah. i mean 500 million to a yeah. billion dollars i mean these yeah. are big Huge. acquisitions yeah. so yeah. So, uh, you know, so I was like, how do we maintain uh, our family being in the industry? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you have to look at generational issues in the other people that came before us and, and learning from that. And I, so I said, look, I think I, I was already having kids and I've got six in total now. And I'm like, I did I, you hear that, Mike? He has six I kids, heard, I heard six, six kids. Mike, check, Mike, check. That was looking, looking six for my kids. Own, There's six kids <laughs> looking for my own glass of wine after that. I got nervous. <laughs> I got and so, so I'm like, you know, I don't think that it's going to be healthy if they come into the industry and start developing brands underneath this whole portfolio that we currently have. What if I go out and do this? I'm able to bring my dreams to life and then f- facilitate something for them. So while I still have, you know, involvement, ownership and, and whatnot with some of the things over on my family's side, this was really intended to be something that I could do for me and my kids for yeah. future generations. So yeah. we started Copper Cane in 2014. Um, we had a few brands already established, Bell Gloss, Mayomi. Uh, Elowan, which is our Oregon yep. project that jumped in next. Um, shortly after that was Quilt, which is our Napa Valley predominantly cab. We do some Chardonnay and red blends. Um, and then more recently getting into a little more competitively priced stuff. So Bowen being, uh, you know, a number of Pinot Noirs and a Chardonnay that, that are, you know, kind of everyday priced. Um, and then, uh, most recently the, uh, thread count, which is kind of a, it's Paso cab and a red blend. And, uh-huh. and those are kind of like your entry level, like a, I look at it like I want people to be able to say, okay, I'm going to try that wine mm-hmm. at, at 20 bucks retail or whatever. And if I like it, then, you know, give them confidence to, you know, I guess maybe go, I'm going to go back on this. You think about somebody who's been drinking seven to $10 bottles of wine, right? Right. You want them to have that experience. So if they go to a restaurant and they buy a glass of wine for say 12 bucks, right. Yeah. Then, and that, that equates to roughly a $20 retail that they can find it. So they like that wine. They go, hey, I like that wine. And they'll go buy it. And you stretch them up almost double what their average mm-hmm. uh, price per bottle is. Right. Once they get that confidence and they see that added value in the product, yeah. then that gives them confidence to move up the ladder even further. Correct. And so you got to have these like stepping stones as I see it. A hundred percent. And, and it's, it's something that, you know, not a lot of portfolios do, but I think it's something that works well for us. And, and then you, you, you know, everybody has, everybody's aspirational, right? They're, they're not going to sit on their laurels you you started with a beater uh nissan maxima that's right. got 20 years on it hey right? hold on i i did start with I, a yeah. nissan that's, maxima. that's what i started with that's my first car so <laughs> and then you know 20 years later you've you know 10 years later you've found some success you've got a career started whatever else and, yeah and uh and you move up to like whatever it could be a brand new um called brand new jeep or something sure. right yeah and you're like, I'm not going back to the, right. the, the <laughs> used Nissan true. Maxima. Yeah, right. And and every time you take that step and and better your life in some way, you feel yeah. better about yourself. And, yeah. Um. And and you never want to go backwards. Yeah. And it's just human nature. And I think yeah. that wine is no different. Once you see a hundred percent break those barriers, then you know. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. I just I just said a hundred percent, but that goes exactly against what I was saying about. Um. I guess. Um. I actually was doing a tasting yesterday and it was not uh, an inexpensive wine, but it was terrible. And I, I said in this, this tasting, I was like, this wine makes me angry. You know, it's like, but so I do, there are some wines out there 
that like I, I just don't want to drink that. And it's not being studio. It's not really price point driven. But how about quality driven? Yeah. I only want to drink quality wines right now. But at the same time, sometimes I want just something refreshing and, and, and I'll have a spritz, you know, yeah. and it's like nothing wrong with that. I, I'll go back down the ladder, but you're absolutely right. Once you, let's put it that way, not on price point, but it's perceived quality. Mm, yeah. Then you're like, I can't tolerate. It's like once you've had great beef, I will never have a shitty steak again in my life. Yeah. You know, yeah. I only yeah. eat yeah, yeah, when yeah. I'm cooking, I only eat Akaushi beef. We had a, a do you know Will Dinsberger? No, uh, he's a real estate well, hang agent. On. Let- let me go into something that both of yeah. you guys are saying as winemakers, as the guy that's here that doesn't know what you guys know and your stepping stones. So I can understand from your, your, uh, your story, your metaphor or whatever of going from the beater car that, you know, you got, you got tape or wire holding the muffler up or whatever, or however fast it's going to smoking or whatever to the Jeep. I get that. Like you, you, legitimately are making a stepping stone up in your quality of ride that you have and your next thing that you're going to or whatever that's the volvo or whatever the thing that you're going it legitimately i don't think that there's a lot of subjectivity in this stepping stone that you have up for what you guys are saying and robbie you said you had you had a glass of wine somebody brought it there they thought it was good for some reason right yeah but you say it's shit it made you angry okay to you <laughs> everyone guys. agreed that it was bad okay i know the to feeling. you guys <laughs> stepping stones how is it what is like your qualifications and because you know let's say stepping stone too let's say the person that gets into the jeep is like by golly i'm never moving off of the jeep because the jeep for what it is that i have what is it that you guys as the winemakers are knowing you're setting the ste- stepping stones up is, is n- makes you to the next level confidently to the next level. I mean, I'll, I could jump in. Cause I, I yeah. think that cars, uh, you know, wines, whatever, whatever product you are talking about, there are so many preferences and it yeah. comes down to just your personal, what your personal likes. Right. So agreed. Um, I know right off the bat, like, let's say, 50 to 75% of the general public of wine drinkers probably don't like our wine style, Uh you know, and like, but, but there's also, there's like all these little caveats to it. Right. So if you're capturing, let's just say it's 25% of the wine consumers in America that like your style and you can get them to experiment throughout your portfolio, get some Mm -hmm. ideas as to what other wine producers make wines like yours, uh, then you're winning. I mean, that, that's it. And so you, you, you got to say, like, I've got sommeliers that give me crap all the time. I, I started off my career with a bunch of like 78 point scores. Because, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> like it was, it was rough the first couple of years because they were all, everybody was looking at it like, oh, it needs to taste like burgundy. And you got to think of this mm. in a blind tasting in a lineup. And sure. we were pushing the, the maturity boundaries and extracting pretty hard for a Pinot Noir. And so we were making these really big boisterous styles back then. And they would they would be so glaringly different that they got knocked uh, by the critics. Mm-hmm. And so I just went out and I was like, well, I got to win with the consumer. I like this style better than this, you know, uh, trying to chase, you know, the old world style. And mm-hmm. uh, and I believed in it and kept going with it. And fortunately, other people liked it, too. And that's kind of where it all where it all started. So I do think that um, people will find the niche of style that they like mm-hmm. within your product. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter of you staying consistent because consistency, I think, is one of the key elements. Yeah, absolutely you, correct. You have absolutely one vintage, agree with you. One vintage off. And I mean, I've had times where it's like, mm, yeah. I'm going to skip that. You know, I had last bottle I had wasn't good. And I might not have a bottle of that for five years. Yeah, 
totally. Or even if you, uh, not in terms of, of quality, but if you have a, a theme going within your wines, especially if it's under one brand, and you just decide, oh, I'm going to switch up and I'm going to make, uh, I make all these, you know, classic Sonoma County um, um, Chardonnays, but now I'm going to make this Chablis style within the same sure. brand. Yeah. And people just shut you down immediately. Yeah. Like, nope, yeah. that is not, that's not the, the style. But Mike, also to your, your question about, um, um, you know, kind of uh, how do you, how do you present something to the public or whatever? Um Quality is a very difficult thing to talk about, right? Everyone's got their perception. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think there are standards. And um, uh, eventually, if someone's had uh, enough wines, they're going to start to recognize what flaws might be. And while someone might like this wine and someone might like that wine, who they might mm -hmm. be great tasters, you know, even amongst our friends at my tasting yesterday, it was eight um, winemakers. And we all had differences of opinion from time to time, but in general, we could go, yeah, I'm, that's, I'm not buying that, but that's a wine of quality. Mm -hmm. um, this, 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 and this. So you, you move up that ladder just through experience. And while it's absolutely true that you would say that I would always say that the best glass of wine is the one that you like the best. It doesn't matter. It. Nothing else matters at all. Yeah. But yeah. if you do ask, you know, over time, if you took 10 or 15 of our friends and we sat down at a table we would pretty much come to some consistent, you know, mm -hmm. agreements on what quality might be or and that might Well, be. standing yeah, the I, test I of time and point. something that Joe said that I think I, I felt like within this is very, very important is consistency. Yeah. Right? When you can sell somebody on anything, whatever that is, once you've reached a level of quality that you accept in whatever your resources, whatever you've moved to the Jeep or you moved to the Volvo or whatever that, that, I mean, obviously that's not something that you're reconsuming over and over again, but you've hit something and you go for whatever reason, you might not even liked it at first, right? But something resonated with you. You thought about it again. You're like, damn, I got to go back to it. And you go back to it. And then you find it, it does tick something positive with you. You better be sure that the third time, fourth time, fifth, 15th time that it remains consistent, right? Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's your Topo Chico thing. You're like, I don't know. It's just the best damn bottle of water that there is. It's the same damn taste yeah. every single time. And, you know, there, this is an, an interesting uh, observation, too, that, um, you know, it's different. So most of the wines, Mike, that, that I make, um, you know, making, you know, a couple of hundred, maybe, you know, thousand cases at a time of, of yeah. a particular wine. And with one of uh, Joe's brands uh, in particular, Mayomi, um, I don't know what the, your largest vintage was. Uh, what it were was you up to? Like seven hundred thousand cases. Seven hundred thousand cases, okay. and Huge. so seven hundred thousand cases means seven million, eight, nine, eight and a half million bottles. And yep. you you go into a winery and you you try to fathom blending this volume of wine, you know, mm. physically making this happen, taking right. that volume of wine, blending it so it's consistent, um, right. and then getting it into the bottle with consistency, with oxygen yeah. pickup, with X, yes. Y, and Z, with every cork and, and the quality control measures that mm. it requires. It's almost like it requires more attention mm. than yeah. by the time my shit's bottled, you blink your eyes and it's over. It's almost sure. like I can't do quality control because it's just it's it's done. But yeah. they they had to be so consistent because it's exactly what you said. 
people are almost more forgiving of my wine with there being bottle to bottle variation, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're just experiencing one thing. When someone became a fan of Mayomi, they wanted that every single yeah, time. And trying to achieve yeah. that, Mike, is yeah. it's an impossibility. It, it turned, at that scale, it turned into Coca-Cola. That's what, I mean, that's what it was. It was but, that, but that's not a criticism of Coca-Cola. No, not Do you know how hard it is no, to fucking make no, Coca-Cola? It just comes down to that, that, you know, we're creatures of habit. We have an expectation and, and people aren't looking at vintage when you're with like Naomi. I mean, actually I'll, I'll tell you a little story about um, as I was, as I was growing Naomi, it was just like going through the roof and we're trying to keep up with it. We're, you know, buying more fruit, we're making more wine, we're using more facilities. Like just, it was a pain in the ass, but it was the first time that I ever, um or anybody in my family ever i guess was like let's see if we can supply the demand yeah like great fun exercise i learned a ton i never want to do it again yeah Um, that had to kick your ass (laughs) kick my ass kick the whole team's ass um except the sales team it was like a walk in the park for them they're like oh we gotta we're we're gonna make bonus again this year it's like yeah do you guys even meet with the distributors like no they're they're not having a good time um but uh, I had a meeting with a guy that you and I uh, both know very well. Um, say his first name, Corey. Yep. And uh, and so he was running a pretty large business um, mm-hmm. at the time. He's actually moved up in, into a larger wine business recently. Um, but I asked him to just go grab lunch. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I just have a couple questions. You've got experience with this. And uh, and so there were a couple things that he told me because I was you know asking him like, how do you maintain fine wine when you get up to scale mm-hmm. in hundreds of thousands of cases? Yeah. And he was talking not about the business he was working for, but really the industry in general. And he, he, he said a few things that really stuck out. And one was, uh, he said, you know, most, most producers at this level, they're just filling the uh, requirements of the label. Right. So they're not making one blend. They're saying like, all right. Oh, correct. It's, yes. it's like, all right, we got, we're doing a Monterey County Pinot Noir from 2013. Yep. And it's like, well, hey, we sold 50,000 cases of that. We need more. You go to the bulk market. It's a marketplace where not you're not like physically you get samples sent to you and you can yep. you can buy uh these base wines but there's so much variation and so once a brand is a brand and and you know you try to make it as consistent as possible but a lot of times you're going to have four different bottlings with the exact same label now there's a danger to that because i think over time people start to see that yep. um and and that was at that moment that was when i was like okay that is my definition of commodity wine versus fine wine. hundred percent. We can do all of the care and dedication to every aspect of the process. And most importantly, blend it all as one and then bottle it all as one, all as one. Yeah. We can still produce it as a fine wine. Right. Once we start breaking it up into all these segments, we're going to have inconsistencies here and there. And and then it's commodity wine. And then we're hundred percent. And, and so that was, that was a real big, you know, I don't even think he intended for me to learn that element from him. Yeah. But that was the biggest part that I gathered from him in that conversation. And, and that fundamentally changed what I did. And that eventually led to the sale of the Naomi brand. Yeah. Because I got to a point where you couldn't do what you I, wanted to I do. I couldn't, I couldn't make, I knew I was I one more vintage. I was not going to be able to make the wine the way I wanted to. And you would go crazy. It would, yeah. <laughs> well, and then you're asking yourself, what industry am I in? Am I in, am I in this massive growth commodity wine industry or am I still in fine wine? I was like, sell the brand, invest in farmland and just focus on, everything I've always loved doing and, and what that, you want to do. That's, yeah. that's a hundred percent. I was actually thinking, you know, you were saying, um, with your, your conversation and, um, he mentioning to you, um, uh, that one 
common thing, uh, whether it's in, you know, that happened to you, but in any walk of life, how many times is it, how crazy it is? And Mike, I'm sure you've had this experience where someone said something to you that changed your life mm-hmm. and they don't even remember it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. And then a, a, a third callback about me, uh, uh, how I got into the industry. So I said, I had these two mentors. So uh, I quit working at this restaurant when I'm like, you know, 18. I go to college, whatever. I'm living in Atlanta. I'm in my driveway in Atlanta, packing up the U-Haul to move to California to go to Davis. And riding down the sidewalk on his bicycle is Serge, my mentor. From, <laughs> And I hadn't seen him in four years. And he was like, I was like, Serge? And he's like, Robbie? And he was like, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, you are not going to fucking believe this. Wow. I'm moving to California to go make wine. And he like got off his bike, you know, kicks cool. the kickstand down and was like so proud. That man changed my life. That's awesome. That man changed yeah, my yeah, entire life. Yeah. And he didn't freaking know. He's, he was like, you know, he liked me, but it was kind of like making fun of the stupid young kid. You know, yeah. he was he yeah. was knowledgeable, yeah. old grumpy. He was kind of grumpy, but, you know, I loved him. He loved me, but um, he changed my life. Well, going going back yeah. to your old story about the 64 Margot, yeah. he very well could have been like, hey, check this out. Yeah. He's he's going to get his ass reamed out by right. this table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Go ask him for yeah. a glass yeah. of the 64 Margot. Yeah. They're probably just sitting yeah. there by the bar like, that's oh, that's right. funny. That's right. And they gave you a glass. Yeah. And maybe I earned street cred. Maybe that's like they, yeah. they, they liked me afterwards because I did that. You know? Totally. But. Sliding doors, the magic that happens in life. You don't know from door to door to path to path to farm to farm what's going on. But you're exactly right. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I got to check in with Corey and see if he uh, – because I don't know if I've ever told him that to his face. Yeah. I mean, I, I went uh, hunting with him uh, two years ago, and we got a lot of a lot of conversation going. But uh, I don't think I brought that up to him. So I'll, I'll have to give him a call and just say, hey, just so you know, right, you're so- the reason we sold Miami. So, yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be like, "Where's, like, my, yeah, where's, where's my, my check?" Where's... Yeah, exactly. Um, so hold on, this is a, a complete change of topic, but uh, talking about um, you know Napa Valley, Northern California rednecks or whatever. Yeah. And so you know, I'm growing up uh, in Atlanta and in, in, in the, the suburbs in Marietta, and you know, we had lots of country boys uh, around us. And I would not have considered myself, you know, the country boy. I was not playing baseball and football i was playing soccer so i was i was already suspect as being I, I was a southern, gonna ask you know, so that, was, that was there was a judgment element of in there of course there yeah. was you yeah. know yeah. Yeah. i wasn't sure. drinking budweiser's i was looking for the 64 margel you know so i was already on the outs so like you know my um my brother uh was uh and still is a big hunter and um whatever else so you know my son when yeah so he um has gotten into hunting with you know through my brother but more recently you know he wanted to go out my nephew is living here so i went out and bought some guns and we've been going out like boar hunting on the um on the uh, sonoma coast and um we've we're starting our own um pope valley gun club and so it's like me, Kent Jarman, um, you know a a bunch of other guys are going out there you're welcome to come awesome but it's very fun like vingy yeah, you know, he, yeah. <laughs> so, of course he's going to be in it yeah. of course yeah. so, so it's very funny to me it was like this thing like you know if i'm in atlanta i'm thinking about i'm going to move to napa valley and i'm going to be hanging out with these you know cool winemakers the last thing in my mind i would have been thought thinking of is like they're going hunting you know <laughs> right. you want to go yeah. shoot some boar so, yeah. so that's such a southern thing 
it, 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 it is, but it's actually part of the life around here. But totally you, it is. But you still see, yeah. like, you know, you're talking about the the person that buys a house that's, you know, right up against a vineyard and right. thinking like, oh, I love the beauty, but I don't want all the stuff that comes with agriculture. It's kind of the same thing. You have this this discrepancy between the people that have been here for a long time or or that, you know, have come from other areas that carry that same similar cultures. Um and so we're out shooting all the time. I mean, like I'm going for opening day for I'm going to uh, Hope Valley dove hunting tomorrow afternoon. Oh, nice! And uh, and so I'm while I'm down here after this podcast, I'm, I got to go get some steel shocks with them in California. And you know, it's yes, <laughs> it's very funny. So so like I, I didn't spend a lot of um, time going into to gun stores uh, in Georgia. But it is very funny. Here you go and like go to Sweeney's, and they almost like criticize their own California laws. Oh, totally! They're like, God damn, you know it's California, so let me have your yeah. fucking license. Yeah. You know, yeah. see you in ten yeah. days. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're pissed yeah. off about it. But, yeah. uh, so it's still the same. It's the same people that are out here. Yeah. They're just there working at yeah. the gun shop too. It, it is. I mean, we have, we have so many regulations here. Overall, I mean, I'm not just talking about guns, but of course, in, in our industry, in farming yeah. and oh, yeah. building, and oh, God, yeah. everything is just. Like, how do you even, I mean, I look, I look back, I'm like, I don't remember running a business being this hard in like 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and it's just, now you try to get something done and you're in just this mill of, of the government and going through if you want permits or whatever. And it's so damn hard. And I don't know how we're going to get away from it because once you put taxes in place, once you put regulations in place, I mean, it is so hard to pull those things back. And it, it, I mean, I mean, my philosophy on this is that it actually kind of funnels up to giving the government more power and having citizens rely upon them more mm -hmm. which is the ass backwards from democracy right uh, in, completely in, in my opinion so you know what point do we say we got to pull all these things back and you know I'm, I'm still like thinking maybe it's a good idea if we just randomly select people to take these roles Oh yeah, there you I go. Just, just like <laughs> Robbie, you're the mayor now. Yeah, exactly. You got it for four years. Don't screw it up. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. I like this. I like this. Well, you know, and again, that goes back to not only um, you know, thank you for uh, investing and developing a restaurant here in Napa so that we can promote Napa and lift that up, but you know, thank you for going through the pain in the ass of dealing with the city, of dealing with the county, of yeah. dealing with the state, and all of the. God forbid the regulations and requirements and permits that you have to get. And it's like, I'm trying to do something here for the community. Yeah. Sure. I want to make a buck, but like, I would like to not have a vacant storefront there. I would like to have a nice, cool, beautiful restaurant that people could come to. Can you let me build it? And it's like, they don't want to let you build it. Even when you go in with uh, so I, I got a, a really good example. We were going to build a small winery over in Sebastopol, over yeah. in Russian river Valley mm -hmm. at one of our, actually it's at the dairy. Manager. I thought that. Yeah. 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 So, and so, we went through the whole process. We had our eye on the prize. And, um, you know, so we went through all the design. You got to go through all the design and all the engineering before you submit. Correct. Now, with a winery, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Holy. So you sink all that cost in. You go in and, and then you're up for public review. And you've got all of these changes that they want you to make. You got to go back to design and back to engineering and make adjustments. Not as grand as what the original concept might have been, but still add another hundred thousand on completely and so you're all of a sudden before you even get your permit you're sunk hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah and you're like this is this doesn't work like th this you have to be a millionaire or a billionaire to like yeah. really start a business in in this state now yeah 
it's it, it's you're you'll i don't want to tell you because you're going to uproot everything and move to georgia but you know my my like <laughs> i love georgia my my, my <laughs> best friend is was now he's in in more finance with building but was you know custom home builder my brother-in-law my brother is a land planner and like you know i tell them all these stories and they're like what are you talking about yeah. we, we want to build a house we go down to the county and go i'd like a permit and that's like ten dollars and they give you a permit same day god you know that's really? nothing I would never, I've Nothing. never had any experience remotely similar to that, <laughs> but I, I do love Georgia. I've had a blast down there. I was actually down there, God, like two months ago and, uh, yeah, the people are great. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful environment. Um, I actually think the weather is phenomenal. I love Georgia all the way through the Carolinas. Oh, it's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just, it's mm-hmm. a great spot. And, uh, th- the only thing Georgia has got to do is you got to get rid of that. Like Sunday, no, no alcohol. There you go. Yeah. When I was yeah, little, it was, it was zero. Yeah. And then yeah. it switched to afternoon in restaurants. You can get it. Yeah. And then what is it yeah, now, yeah. Mike? It's uh, twelve thirty. At twelve thirty, which is also a funny thing. Well, I that's mean, so you can get a, a church with, first. In yeah, the you got to be a church. Yeah. You got to be sober. That, 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 it really is. It's it's part of that. The psychology of well, church is the early part of the day. Yeah. Even though, like, I mean, how filled are the churches? I don't know. Like, as we know, a lot of cultural things kind of die off with generations. And so there's kind of slowly weaning those I, I, kids. I really do think the Gen Zers, they don't have a concept now. Like the, the ones that were raised here at Atlanta, Atlanta, where I am is very a transit, transient city. So, you know, most people are like, where are you from? It's, it's hilarious when I say, well, I'm from here, like you did, like you did, Joe, that you said you're, you're from here, yeah. right? I was born into here. They're baffled the fact of someone is actually from Atlanta, but this thing <laughs> I've heard so many times about like who sets a time and a day and or a time of day that you can or can't drink that we're not talking about like, you know, two in the morning at this point in time, nothing good's going to happen for you going in uh-huh. and out or, you know, we get those, but like the day you can't, my day is it's the same as a Wednesday at like, noon and i want to go into a restaurant and i can't have a glass of wine what is it so it's slowly evolving out of that so the so the sunday experience i had most recently was um it it was really funny you know the restaurant opened at like i think it was like 11 30 and they're doing brunch and and so me and my wife were like (laughs) we order we're like we'll we'll do this this and like well we we can't serve that until whatever i thought it was noon but 12 30 yeah and yeah and man the whole restaurant is full by 12 30 right and they have a bar that is full of drinks with tags sure. ready Waiting. to go. Yeah. 12.30 drops. And it's just like zoom straight to the table. And there's alcohol everywhere. It's so <laughs> stupid. It makes it no really. sense. It's- and think about those as you as a restaurateur, right? Think about the bane of that. By the way, I may have said that you can get it in the shop at 12 30 i think there's a weird window it may be noon it may be 11 30 for restaurants so how ridiculous how funny is that like yeah you can I get can, in the restaurant but walk, you can't get in the bottle shop you can't can walk into the bottle shop so uh you know just that deal but uh, imagine again being a restaurateur yeah you have your you're you're packed for lunch brunch or whatever that you have on sunday and you're like oh my god I can't serve all of these drinks. These people want to have that glass of wine with the whatever, the steak or whatever they're getting yeah. right now. Can't do it. It's, it's, it's funny. I mean, and state by state, and we're one of the only places in the world, the United States, that really has so many regulations. You sell, you know, a pallet of wine to, 
you're uh, an importer in Germany, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they that like it's there. They can sell it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, we have so many different regulations all in the wake of prohibition. And, you know, sure. I look at some of the stuff that's going on in, in the world right now. And, you know, I think, you know, whatever side of the aisle you stand on um, it, there are some good things that have come about from any sort of regulation. Like I actually like that you can't smoke cigarettes and, and uh, restaurants, restaurants for, sure. Right? Sure. for sure. So that's a good thing. But then, and now, you know, those ads or cigarette ads are pulled from, uh, you know, billboards. You're not allowed to do them yeah. on TV, all that stuff. Like all that stuff happened years ago. Now I'm driving up and down the highway and I'm seeing all of these billboards and a bunch of advertisements for uh, places to buy wheat, right? Yeah. For dispensaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, well, out like, here, not, not so much yeah, in Atlanta, yeah. but here, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm looking at that. I'm like, they didn't even try to like replicate the tobacco yeah. stuff they had yeah. over here to yeah. something that, yeah. that it, I mean, you know, yeah, it may not be as bad of a, a cancer causing. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, a product, yeah. And, then, and you had different vessels, right? You got gummies and all that. But nonetheless, I mean, if kids get into that early, it's going to it's it does affect them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hell, if I was getting high every day, I would not be anywhere near as successful. <laughs> right, as I am. right, right, I mean, right. No, and I know some people operate well with that, but like, I mean, I'll take a gummy every couple nights and sure knock myself out. They feel great. Yeah, yeah. Nothing but what you said, Joe, <laughs> you said the same thing. If you were just if you threw out your day were drinking drinking alcohol as we're having a sip of, you you're saying as, that we each had a sip of wine no no time. no <laughs> this is this is okay this is a, a segue into our topo chico collaboration but you know what i'm saying if it was an everyday like you w- woke up and whether it be alcohol or you're taking your gummy sure. or whatever again i'm 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 generalizing to speak for everyone it doesn't seem that that would be the best processes to do that you could be the best of yourself. There's no way. Right. Yeah. And so, and so you got to look at it from the standpoint of free will, uh, because yes. at the end okay. of the day, everybody has free will and, and you can choose, you know, if I wanted to wake up in the morning and, and drink a whole bottle of wine, I could, but yes. I can guarantee you um, it'd be the beginning of the end of my success. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. Which and, is, it really is. I mean, again, people from, from the outside, um, you know, I say it's like a, um, what do you call it? Like a work hazard. And people are like, oh, that's funny. We drink wine all day. And it's like, no, I literally can't. You know, I've talked to Mike about this. You know, like I'll go on, you know, sabbaticals where, of course, we have to taste a fermentation tank. We have to yeah. taste something. But, you know, I'll go, you know, months and months and months and months yeah. without having a casual, you know, glass or bottle of wine because there's we're so inundated with it. It's yeah. so much in your face all the time. And just mm-hmm. like, you know, you show up at my house. Do you have a bottle of your one? You're coming over, so I have yeah. you know bottle because we want to share. But at the same time, it's like, and then when you say, "Oh um, no, I'm not drinking right now," people are like, "What's wrong?" Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is something so, happened to so you. True. It's like nothing. I just, I just don't want to drink alcohol right now. But and, and it's, I think it's good to uh, number one just to do a detox, but also to challenge yourself to be able to you know mm-hmm. make sure your mind is still mind like, over matter. Yeah, you can you sure. can accomplish this. The last time I did a, a 90 day stint, uh, no drinking. Yeah. Um, and felt amazing. Like of it was, course. That's, I mean, that I hate to say it. Because I know because <laughs> we're criticizing your own thing, yeah. but no, I feel like a million dollars. And I'm about to start. Uh, I'm, I'm going to step up from on this one of the 75 hard thing. Oh, I don't Here. know this now. So it's, it's like, there's no alcohol, no added sugar, no snacking. Mm-hmm. So three square meals a day, you, uh. but you kind of eat whatever you want during those square meals. Um, and then you got to work out twice a day for 45 minutes each. 
one of yeah. them being outdoors. Right. You got to read 10 pages of a book a day. Yeah. A lot of this yeah. stuff is very oh, I gotta small. I got to look this up. Okay. And, but I like all, all of it. Yeah. It's all, it's all small and mundane, but it, you know, at the same time, you got to look at it like, okay, I can challenge myself and yeah, I'll be tasting barrels. There might be a day where I'm tasting 200 barrels, but sure. I'm spitting. Yeah. And I'm still going to get a buzz and I'm still not going to count that as drinking. Because, I agree with you. Sure. You know, we have yeah, to. Yeah. Just part we of it. We have our, to do yeah. it. But I've got to, I've got to check that out. 75 heart. Are you familiar with this, Mike? I have. I've heard no. of that before. Okay. I'm, I'm right there with you, Joe, in terms of like changing. We were having the conversation about this earlier today. We were talking about, I was mentioning because at three o'clock noon, your time, I said, I go into routines, routines, I say, I would say a positive behavior, whether I'm fasting, I do somewhat of an inter intermittent fasting all the time now that I've adjusted to that, that I have started taking a little nap at about three o'clock, 30 minutes, right? My body was funny that Robbie and I are talking that I was like, man, I don't have to even look at a clock because my body is getting in a cycle. Yeah that like all of these processes are like triggers, like my own alarm clocks are happening because what you said, exercise, eating right, drinking, you know, the right type of things, not, you know, not doing this, doing these things, not doing these things. But I said, here's the thing. I have this, this thing I'll even journal that I'm like, man, it's so great. I feel so healthy right now. And boom, there's that time that you throw it off that you feel like you have to like, reshuffle your card deck and that reshuffling of my card deck is for whatever reason just like what you said you may have 30 60 90 days or whatever that you're clean they, that what is it within us that says we have to blow that up at some yeah, point it's over the just, 90 days is over i've, I've yeah, got to break free yeah, free will that's what it's, 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 that's what it's, it is is that what it is it's, i think it's free will but it's also like you you know if you constantly challenge yourself you know even mm. just those things that are like they may seem mundane in your personal life well, you're going to carry that same mentality into every aspect of your life, right? Yeah, I, sure. I carry that mentality into my conversations with my kids. I had a yeah. I had a very tough conversation with my oldest daughter yesterday, and it was really about like, you know, challenging her to open up and 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 find a deeper reason. Mm -hmm. Now she wants to join the Marines, and I'm okay. totally a, a huge fan, and I'm I'm a big supporter of uh, armed forces, but it seemed like a very quick sort of adoption of, of mm. the idea. And um, I've always asked her whenever we go out shooting, I'm like, you want to come up and you know, she's, she has mentioned in the past that she wanted to be a sniper. And um, okay. <laughs> I'm like, cool. I'm all for it. So we sat down yesterday at an hour conversation and, and it was like going through the list of stuff. What do you, you know, what are, what are, what is the inspiration for this? What do you plan on doing afterwards? Um, mm. What, what do you expect it to be like? And she did a little camp thing down at camp Pendleton over the summer and, uh, got kind of the the you know curtailed version of what boot camp would look like, um, and and you know was surprised about they yell at you and all that you know <laughs> all this stuff yeah, like well, right. watch any that. movie of the military and you're gonna know yeah. exactly what it's like. So you know and so uh, <laughs> so she wanted me because she's 17 so she wanted me to um, go and sign her up and I said no I want to talk to you about this first and uh, she was very upset at the end when I said here are the three things I want you to do and we'll revisit this in two weeks I'll go down there and I'll I'll sign the release um before your 18th birthday so that she can move up uh a rank in kind of the the junior i can't remember what they call it but so i was like all right we'll we'll do that but she's very upset with me but i think that that sort of thing like teaching her to challenge herself mm -hmm. like she she didn't she didn't she she had like a 50 percent idea in her mind 
and there were so many holes in it. It's like, you got to fill all the holes. And that's, that's calling being 17 years old. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, I understand that, but took it as an opportunity to, Hey, push it farther. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, of course I, there are worries for me and I'm like, you know, there are other opportunities, but if this is what your calling is and, and I, I get it. I mean, I almost joined the military right after nine 11. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I probably, I probably could have and should have, but, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's just a matter of challenging yourself and learning how to challenge yourself. Because honestly, throughout the world, it seems like everybody stagnates and, and you just get lazy. And it's so easy mm, to be lazy. Yeah. And, and sure. you know, how do you, how do you break that cycle? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, and that also uh, culminates in an, an interesting thing, which is, you know, uh, so uh, you're, uh, eldest daughter and eldest son and yep. uh, your other son and whatever. And my children are constantly <laughs> at the gym. So in your 75 oh, big, whatever, why don't you show up at Hellspun Napa Valley with us and we'll, we'll hit the weights together. <laughs> but um, that actually why, why it's such a good tie in one is, you know, Winton, he wants to go to the Naval Academy. Okay. And so probably when they're working out, they're talking Marines and everything like that. And as a side note, he went to Annapolis this summer um, he went through a training program, you know, for that. His squadron leader was this uh, woman who was, I don't know how tall she was. She was tiny and she was badass and she's a Marine. All right. And she was doing, you know, stuff this summer. So your daughter can handle all of it. I know she can. That's awesome. Um, but also funny with that, with them hanging out at the gym, why you're here is because I'm, I don't know where I was and I get a text from Winton and he goes, you know who you should have on the podcast is Joe Wagner. <laughs> no seriously. way, really? Yeah, it was the, so you're here because of Winton. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> and funny. I was like, that's actually a very good recommendation. I think I'll text him right now. And that's how I texted you. I was like, can you come on the podcast? So it, it is it is great to see that the kids are are going to the gym. And you know, it's like I don't like some of the stuff they're doing with the uh the pre-workout and the oh, protein God, stuff. They're so I'm like, you guys are gonna be able to eat whatever you want for the next 10 years of your life, and then you're yeah. gonna have to cut it out. But right. like enjoy this. And right. they're like, no, sure. no, I'm counting my calories, how many protein or yeah. grams of protein I'm taking, yeah. all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? I I just stopped complaining. I was like, you know what, you guys I it's better than there's I other am, things that could be I involved am so in. happy That's you're right. going to the gym. Yeah, like one or two times a day. Yeah. And and they're they're these kids are getting big. They're getting big quick. They're yeah. strong. I mean, yeah. but they're dedicated. Every time I go in, yeah. I see, I mean, I see lots of kids, but I'll see one of it's our like, two families. In yeah. There. Wesley. Every Ian, single Dominic. time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one or, or will or win or whatever, they're, but they're dedicated. And I think that that is a reflection of uh, the social media, mostly TikTok. Yeah. Cause that became like a craze with this, um, mm. The Liver King guy, you know, the guy. Oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then so some of these crazy workout guys and some of the stuff they were saying was, you know, not fully true. Sure. But mm -hmm. it was also it, it also was an aspirational figure. Sure. And there, again, there, there are there's other horrible things on TikTok exactly. that they could be following. If they're into food and nutrition and working out, God bless. Yeah, it. I'll support it. Mm -hmm. But hey, um, you know what? Speaking of free will, I could sit here and do this all day. And I think, right. and I'm looking over at Mike because this is exactly what that I'm, I'm hoping for for these conversations is that I have no. You see here, I don't have any notes. Oh yeah, I just yeah. want to you know come and, yeah. and hang out and talk. And so, uh, you know, 
thank you for, for coming in and doing this. And um, again, we I asked you about your, your brands, but you're working on a podcast right now, aren't you? Or you're talking about it or thinking about it? We, well, actually, we got about about 30 in the hopper right now. Okay, good. Um, but you've got, not published yet? No, we we, uh, we released them. Um, we just started to uh, publicize them. So okay. just on our social channels and whatever yeah. else, sending you know notes out to the trade, yep. uh, you know that sort of thing. So trying to keep it a little, you know, that's funny because I don't remember you calling me to be on the podcast. <laughs> we we, I didn't just, get the email we just had our first guest. So we it's me and a, another guy that co-hosts. His name is Chris. And we it's called Go With Your Palette. Okay. And um, the way that we phrase it is that it's about wine, entrepreneurship, and whatever the fuck else. Okay. And there's a lot okay. of whatever the fuck else. Yeah. I'm sorry if sure. I shouldn't. Be no, no, yeah. no. And that's no, what no. ours is too. Yeah. It's food and beverage yeah. based, but... It's really about what yeah, you about. never know where it's going to go. And so we just yeah. had our, our first uh, our first guest on. So we want to start getting more into that yeah. and, and learning how to you know develop this the studio to accommodate whatever else. And it's been really fun. And we have a lot of stuff that comes out. And I know my wholesale you know, department, they're all listening to it and they're like giving me crap about it. And it's like there's, there's a whole fun part of it. You know, and it'll evolve and develop. Yeah. You know, it'll change. And so, sorry, again, the title So we'll is, have to have you on it. Of course, of course. So go, go with your palate. Go with your palate, and you can find it wherever you find your podcast. Don't you like how they yeah. say that on every podcast? <laughs> wherever you find, find your find podcast. Find it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Well, of course, <laughs> why the fuck did you make that statement? I, of course, I know that. Okay. And then um, I think probably why uh, – the Winton brought you up is because I know that he follows you on your Instagram or TikTok. Or oh, whatever. TikTok what, are, what, are, what is your yeah. social media finds? The uh, so God, I gotta I gotta go into the history on this, and and this is probably another good element about talking about getting out of your comfort zone. Right. <laughs> All right. So the the pandemic, which here in California we were heavily affected. I don't know if Georgia was, you know, of like course. it was. Yeah. So oh yeah. I just felt like we were shut down for a solid year, and then it was still regulated for another solid year yeah. in a pretty yeah. heavy fashion. So yeah, not as much in Georgia as here, but yeah. Yeah, and and so during that time, it was like, well, how do we communicate with people and and get them to get excited about our wines? Yeah. And so. We turned to Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, did collaborations with retailers, with restaurants, national accounts, yeah. uh, that, that they were providing food for takeout and our wines were part of that. And you're looking at a screen and you're in like a hundred people's, you know, yeah. dining oh, yeah. rooms yeah. And, yeah. and you can see them and you, you know, it, it turned into this thing of like, it wasn't really so much about education. It was more about entertainment. Having fun. Sure. And, and they were like, I want something fresh live and 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 correlating to this experience i'm having here with my family of yeah. food and wine and so um i had to kind of get out of my bubble of, of what i normally do when i'm talking about my my business and everything and and, and general comfort level yeah and, of like being it because like when we do wine dinners camera, being an entertainer mm -hmm. yeah and it's not all it's not something we always like to do well, none of us are naturally programmed right. to do that i right. think it's you know um and so in the wake of the pandemic, uh, we've got you know, you know, person in social media that was doing Facebook and Instagram, and she was like, "You should get on TikTok." Yeah, and I was like, "I, I don't even want to be on. I don't want to look at. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want people to know my face. Like right. when I walk into a yeah, room, yeah. I, I like my privacy." And uh, she was like, "No, I, I think this is a, a big thing." And I was like, first of all, like I'm not into dancing. That, yeah. that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. She's yeah. like, "No, it's moving towards more of a search engine." And now today, it actually has more searches. Uh, worldwide than google does yeah yeah just yeah. really surprising yeah. to me so we started off we had a little fun with it and uh i got out of my comfort zone just to try it and then added some education in there and just kind of let you know my personality which i felt like i had let go during the pandemic just let my personality show 
and not really care about what people are going to think about yeah. it. And, you know, we got our haters, but we got our, our lovers too. And, sure, and what is the handle? Uh, Joe the Winemaker on TikTok. Joe the Winemaker on TikTok. And is there is there Instagram? Or I've, I've probably just seen the, the There is the, There the is Instagram. There is uh, Joe Wagner Official, and then we have each of our brands okay. on uh, Instagram too. Um, Instagram seems like it's a pretty mature platform, and yeah. TikTok is still yeah. growing. But yeah. now you're getting sure. adoption of TikTok from uh, the adults. Yeah. Where it started off with just dances, and which is the stuff. sign of death. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Like> Facebook is <laughs> dead because of moms, and then Instagram is dying, and then TikTok. As soon as we're talking, you know, the end is near. As soon as we're yeah. talking about it, but well, and and so I've been trying to encourage people, and there are very few. I mean, you're one of them to try to get into TikTok. Now, you know, we're, we're like, well, can we get paid for this? Because we're actually, you know, large enough yeah. now. We're like, we we'd make money. Well, you know, I still have a little bit of a concern about providing my information <laughs> right like, right they want right. your social security number sure your tax returns sure. all that stuff. And i'm like no nope, sure. don't worry about yeah. the money this is all just yeah. about education <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah i'm good here and and so so we've been having uh quite a bit of fun with it um we have what i'll say that i i can see is that we have a link tree yeah you know that is where you you know so in yeah. your profile, it just like it's a link that goes to a small or a page yeah. that has all of these other links so if you want uh, from TikTok, if you want to go see our Instagram, if you want to go yes, to our yes, YouTube, yes, if yes, you want to yes. go to our wine yeah. shop or whatever, we yeah. saw, uh, and you can track that through the apps, right? Because of social media, we saw a doubling of our direct business within a year. That's amazing. Wow. I couldn't believe it. And I was about to quit because I, I don't, I didn't like when I have people come up to me and go like, oh, I saw you on TikTok. Yeah. Like, I actually make <laughs> wine. That's what I'm known yeah. for. Like, I, I don't... Yeah. I, I'm not a TikToker. Yeah. yeah, I'm a TikTok super. After all the work you did and dedicating your whole life to, to farming and making wine, I'm a TikToker. Exactly. It's like no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down to that level. So that I thought that was pretty funny. But then I saw the correlation on the on the direct business. And I was like, yeah. wow, it makes this sense. is a powerful tool for sure. Yes, for sure. And and that's, was, that's you know the stuff I can't quantify. Where you know that's now where people are understanding our wines a little more and they see them on the shelf and whatever. So that I, I got to assume yeah. there's been a little uptick and um, we're growing. So maybe a part of that growth is from that. I don't of know. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, this, I was going to say, in fact, wait, this could not be in this thing or whatever. It's so funny that everything that you just said, Joe, this was a, with my creative partner, I have a, a, a little agency, a creative production, make video agency, that I've had, I work with a lot of craft brewers and nonprofits or whatever, that it's so funny. Everything that you just said about TikTok, uh, I had said today about us, this this applies to all of us in a certain age, that I was like, you know, we all, we, we, we kind of got to blow this thing up, this, that we're, what we're using right now, which is, you know, it's funny, I make ads for people, but I don't promote myself in new avenues because there's things that I simply don't understand as well. Just like you said, someone bringing TikTok to you to be like, I got off of the old boomer Facebook and I'm on Instagram <laughs> because it feels cool and mature to me. And I go on TikTok, but I don't quite understand it because it's a brand new house that I haven't lived in. Yeah. I don't know where the furniture is. Eh, so I skip off of it, right? But you're right. You have to like... It, it's almost like this whole deal has come full circle when you said you moved to Napa. People didn't understand, you know, they didn't understand what was going on here. Wines was over here in, in France. And like you've had to evolve and change with everything. You've had your 
TikTok, uh, the social media uh, influencer thing that you became with your bottles, how you dipped your and, and like you've evolved into even getting into social media with your marketing now. Uh, you, so you, you just got to look at it, like take every opportunity and, and see if it yeah. works. Give it enough time. I mean, podcasts are a great example. It's like you, you never know how successful they're going to be. Oh, this is going to be very successful. <laughs> Once we yeah. get that Topo Chico sponsorship, yeah, that's, that's, we're yeah. getting I'm knocking the walls down. I'm going big time. And, and circling Topo Chico, TikTok dances, <laughs> Robbie over here in one window doing something. Oh, my God. But it's like anything else. And we were talking about it earlier. <laughs> Consistency. You stay yeah. consistent with what you're doing, even in podcasts, and and over time you're going to garner more people. Yeah, no that doubt are, that are following it. And I think, I think that's, that's I mean that's just part of part of what we should all expect to be doing in life. Absolutely, right. maintaining consistency. Amen. All right. Well, um, I think we've we've run the the time dry. Um, I'm going to say uh, thanks to Joe slash Joey. Wagner. <laughs> I'm still sticking with Joe. I guess. I'm good I, with it. I think it was funny. I think in my phone, you're Joe, but it was, it, the word comes out of my mouth. I'm sticking with Joey. <laughs> but um, thank you. And as we say, you know, the title of our podcast here, Drop the Check. It's this type of thing. I was saying to Mike, I like that we're actually here at the table because it's exactly what I'm talking about. Having a, a glass with someone sitting down and these are the conversations we have. And when we're done, we're dropped the check. And uh, I think that's where we're at. So if we've covered things that we need to cover until I'm on your podcast, that's it. I was going to say, we'll pick we'll, up right there. We'll for, get a date. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it's been a great you. conversation. Looking forward to doing more. Absolutely. Thank you, Absolutely. sir. Mike, we good. You know what it's time for drop the check. Well, I just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, you know? I mean, it's, it's, uh, I kind of hear these things. Well, no, I don't hear these things all day, every day. Sure. I work with these people all day, every day, yeah. but I don't get to hear the ins and outs. I mean, you, you could hear there's things that, like, I never knew about Joe or his background or story or whatever. And, and, you know, I feel like I've known him for 25 years. You'd think I would know these things and some things you just don't get around to. And that's why it's nice to have these conversations with people, you know, yeah. kind of like we were saying, like if, if, and for the listener out there, just like if we sat down for a two hour lunch and, and um, just reminisce, this is the things that we'd be talking about. Right. I, you know what? I like taking, I like using the technique that I have of, I don't know anything mm -hmm. and nor do I want to research anything about these guests for the most part that's because right i don't want to have any kind of uh, preconceived notion of any of them i want this to be as drop the check should be we're having dinner conversation and find out about people in this organic way so that was it was really cool to know about uh joe joey joseph and also i really do have to say i, I super appreciate the him getting into TikTok. Right. Because we at our age, you know, we have the, the like, um, you know, diversity of age groups. We know with our our kids being teenagers, our kids being teenagers, there's different tiers of what you know and what you do. You're a boomer. You're out yeah. of date. You know this yeah. much or whatever. So the fact that he embraced what the hell, what am I going to do? Dance TikTok. Yeah. And that has shown <laughs> to be successful for him. I, yeah. I think that there may be like a Topo Chico dance. Yes. And our future. I like that. That's a great one. Topo Chico dance. You can do the whole like, you know, because you're, you're into that, like, you know, film stuff. You know, you could do like uh, all kinds of stuff. So Nat's no, out I'm... of the, 
You know my oh. favorite sound of an opening, you know. Oh my God! Like you're writing this for me. I, you know, I'm also into dancing. That'll be my part. You just make up the song. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I can do that. I can. Do that. Okay, but, well, that's it, man. Yeah, but we. I mean, you know, that's it for for the 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 Joe episodes. But you know, we got stuff coming down the pipe. We got you know Joshua Schwartz. Yes. Great chef. We have great. Matthew Rorick, legend. 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 <laughs> My gosh, I'm so excited. I am too. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. Okay. Hey, let's drop the check. Let's <laughs> drop the check, please. <laughs> hey, friends. Thanks for joining us on Drop the Check Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow and subscribe to Drop the Check Podcast on all your streaming services, Instagram or YouTube. And of course, dropthecheckpodcast.com. As always, Drop the Check is brought to you by Pearson Meyer Wines. Pearson Meyer, really, really good wine. Join us next week for a special guest. Not going to say who it is, but he likes to catch fishes and cook really tasty dishes. He might even like Topo Chica. Find out who it is next week on Drop the Check Podcast.